Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Good morning everyone. It's a, it's a wonderful privilege to be with you this morning and I really it is my prayer that... Um, we will be able to drink from a place deep down. Um, we will be able to drink from a place where there would be joy for our souls. That's exactly the song that we, we sung earlier. That, that is my prayer for us this morning. And we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be at verses 1 to 11. So if you do have your Bible with you, you can open it up. If not, I think it would be there. Um, on the screen, so let's dig into it straight away. Philippians 2, chapter 1 goes, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any comfort from love, if there is any participation in the Spirit, any affection, any sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but also look to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God. He didn't quite count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, and he's bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, under, um, on earth and under earth, and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, friends, our title for the, our time together is Aiming High by Going Low. And I, for one, I'm very happy to share this message with you. It's to, we find ourselves today, I believe it's the 2nd of October, and I'm happy for it to be October. I had a not-so-great September. Um, and, I, you know, I, I had a September where in one staff meeting, I, I, you know, I just burst out in tears, and it wasn't, there was a silver lining, though. Gabo came and he gave, gave me a kiss on the forehead. Um, it was good. Uh, and I didn't cry because uh, we had, you know, there was fights in, in, in the staff or, or any um, quarrels in amongst us. It's just because I was in a place of, of hurt. And um, on my list of moans for September, perhaps I can just give you just a snapshot of, of what, my, what my September looked like. So we went to the call conference in a convoy of three cars and... Um, I drove one, Gabe drove another car, and John Leonard, I don't know if you know him, he drove the other car. And the three of us drove together all the way there, yet it was I who received two fines. <laughs> and so here's the thing, I would never pay those things. I would use it, uh, I'll make a nice little aeroplane, but it was not my car. 
So I had to pay them because the other person does not share the same, my same conviction. So, you know, I, I had to spend a considerable amount on fines this past month, which was not, not so cool. And then also, um, I drive an old vehicle and I had to replace all four shock absorbers of the vehicle. So it's minor things, but, but you know, it just, it's things that just scratches your soul a little, you know? <laughs> and it's, not, it's okay, but uh, not so lacking. And then also I'm into furniture, and um, so I made this, this body, and I took it, I picked a, comp- a metal body, I picked a complete wrong color for this body, and it came out so colorful that it would stand out even in the Boer Cop. And I had to... <laughs> take it back to the powder coaters and they had to do it over and I had to pay double for the body. And if you're in business, you know the aim is not to, to do things twice. It's actually to, let's do it right the first time. So, so that, was, that was just, you know, it's a little of my September, but that's not what ma- made September bad for me. Those are minor things, trivial. Um, I can take that any, any time, you know, that's n- not a problem. What did get to me quite a bit, is that I used to date a a rather lovely girl, and that came to an end about six months or so ago, and it was a good breakup. I don't know if there's such a thing, but I I believe that we, you know, it was a good breakup. Um, There was no phone calls afterwards, no SMSs, no nothing, just clean break, you go to the left, I go to the right, Um, you know, no mudslinging, none of that stuff just you go on with your life. And it's been about uh, probably six months or so, maybe a little more, and out of the blue, out of the blue, I just, I missed this, this, this person. And um, I didn't anticipate it, and I honestly don't know if it was because I truly missed her or it's just, ter- you know, it's not fun to be alone. So it could be either or. I don't know what it is. But, but it was definitely one of those things. And to just worse, make things a little worse, is that I was walking and then I just bumped into one of her friends. And the next day I went to tell him, Bosh, and I just bumped into another friend. And um, so, so these things just, it just, uh, suddenly it was there. It was nowhere. And, and now it was there and, and I missed this person. And I did what no man should do. And that is I picked up the phone. Okay. <laughs> If I can just keep, don't, don't, just let it be, <laughs> let it be. And I, I, phoned, I phoned her and I said, um, you know, I'm a cut to the chase kind of guy. And I said, are you dating someone? And she said, yes, she's dating someone. And I asked her a second time, do you know why? Because I believe there might be like something wrong with my phone or I might be imagining things. I I promise you, I give you my word, I asked her twice, are you seeing someone? And it was affirmative. (laughs) Um, So I was sure she she was seeing someone else. And I said, fair enough, okay. And and I hung up. And that morning in my devotion, I read Judges. Um, And in Judges, it's, it's a time of war, Right? And I read that, that these warriors, these men that are supposed to go and conquer and take the promised land, there's a passage and it says that their hearts became like water. And I thought to myself that very morning, what a bunch of Nancys. 
How can a warrior's heart be like water? I mean, these oaks are out killing, taking, conquering, and their hearts are like water. Fast forward a couple of hours. Man, my heart was more fluid than water. I don't know what it was, but it was just, bam, there I was, down in my, in my car, and, and out of nowhere, thoughts came to my heart, um, not from heaven, nor from hell, just out of a place of hurt and insecurity. And, and out of nowhere, insecurities rose up inside of me that I was unaware that was in my life. But it was there. It was super evident. And immediately, it just said to me, if you would have been married by now with a family if you were not in ministry. But because you are in ministry, things are tight. You have to turn around your sense. You have to look at what you spend, all of that stuff. And you can't provide well enough for a family. Okay? And women want security and you can't give them that. Bam, right there in my car. I'm like, flip. Where's this coming from? And now I have the option to listen to that and let my insecurity shape me. Or I can go to the Word and let the Word deal with my insecurities. And here's the thing, friends. When we allow the Word to deal with our insecurities, the Word will 10 out of 10 times settle that insecurity. But if we allow our insecurities to shape us, the end result is something ugly. The end result is something of of a hurting person. Not what God designed, not what God intended. Or we just allow the Word to shape us. We just allow the Word to transform us. I love Ephesians 5. It's it's a picture of of marriage that um, Paul gives to the Ephesian church, and it's actually more a picture of Jesus and the, and the church. That's, that's what the real picture is um, about. And I'm so encouraged that every word that Jesus speaks to his bride, which is us, is to, to strengthen us. Everything that Jesus says to his church is to purify us. Everything that Jesus says to his church is to set us free, to put us into spacious places, to give us the inheritance that he dreamed for us. That, that what these, the more that is in store, everything he says to us is so that we would get, can get to that place. So here I am in my car, and I've, I've got two options. Go take the insecurity route, but then I'm just a, a hurt person. And hurt people? Hurt people. Put that on your fridge, Bulnerton. <laughs> and uh, so we, we can do that, or, or I can, we, we can take the, the, the gospel, the gospel route. And he's, he's the potter, and, and I'm clay. We clay, yeah. and he forms us, and, and his hands are capable. If he created the mountains, if he created heaven and earth, if he formed me inside my mother's womb, yeah. if we read, we read in um, chapter 1, that uh, in verse 6, that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion, he's not done. He's still busy. So we just actually, the most transformative thing you can do in your life is just to spend, simply to spend time with God. And so that's what, that's what we're going to do today. His word, Hebrews 4.12 says, His word is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it's, it's so good that it even it can go between marrow and bone and it reveals our hearts to us. And I want us to look at Philippians chapter 2 now and uh, 
Paul is in prison, and the remarkable thing about chapter 2, which I have discovered when I, when, when I worked through this, that he's actually calling the Philippian church, he's casting vision, he's casting vision, he, he wants to tell them there's even a more excellent way, and that's exactly what I want to do um, this morning to encourage us to go into even a more excellent way. He's calling us into more. God has got something greater for us. And Paul's aim is, is not only for the people in Philippi to see Jesus, but to actually fix their gaze on Jesus so that all they do is a result because of what they see. And, and it's the same for us. So we need to see Jesus so that whatever we do, whether it's work, whether it's family, whether whatever we do, it's a result because we see Jesus. And if you see Jesus, if your gaze is fixed on Jesus and you have cancer or you have trial, you have tribulation, the end result would be joy because in his presence there's joy, there's comfort, there's peace, there's all things. So, so we need to fix our gaze on Jesus and whatever happens here on, on earth, there, there will be joy even in, in circumstances where we think that is not possible at all. So we're going to look Philippians chapter 2 and as I'm wearing specs, I want us to view Philippians 2 through the lenses of chapter 1, verse 21, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, and then verse 27, no matter what, um, live lives worthy of the gospel. So, so keep, that's kind of how I process this. And um, yeah, let's, let's go for it. So, and I want us to do that through, just put yourselves in my shoes, just receive this news in my car, kind of down, um, that kind of vibe. So now I've been in Philippians. As a church, we've been in Philippians, and, and the word ministers to us. And now I read, in pain, if there is any encouragement in Christ. And I think, oh, frikadel, I need encouragement. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll take it all. Give me that encouragement. That, that's something that, that sounds phenomenal. If there's any comfort from love, I'll keep it coming. I didn't even know these things exist, but, but it sounds pretty good. If there's participation in the Spirit, if there's sympathy, if there's any affection, and, and I thought, this, this, just, this sounds amazing. And so how do, we, how do we grab a hold of that? How do we get um, that what God has got for us? If there's any encouragement uh, in Christ, and you might sit here and your heart might be as water. And I want to say that you do need encouragement in Christ. So what I did is the good news is there's encouragement in God's words, there's encouragement in his presence, and there's encouragement for us um, in, by being in, in, in his flock, in his people. The, the, the good news is in this room there are people that are so willing to draw alongside you in your time of hurt, in your time of pain. And I just want to encourage you to, to actually... To, to give yourself to community, to give yourself to this thing, because there is encouragement in Christ. So what happened to me in my car, bad news, picked up the phone, I phoned a friend in Christ, lifted my spirit immediately. I was driving, there's a, a guy, his name is Yuan, he, he carries a cross. I don't know if you've seen him in town, he's got a little wheel, um, he's an evangelist. So I drove past him, I thought, nine out of ten times I'd avoid this guy, not today. <laughs> Cup of U-turn, I said, how's it? Uh, pray for me. He wants to evangelize me. I said, no, not interested. I don't want evangelism. I want encouragement. Pray. So 
Yuan, he prays for me. It's good. It's good. There's because there's encouragement in Christ. And next morning, staff meeting, we read Philippians devotions. Tyler is sharing, and I open the Bible, and 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 the word just ministers to me. And, and I just start to bawl because the word is so powerful. Philipp- God is so for his people and there's healing and I just, I just break. Gabo gave me a kiss. There's encouragement in Christ. And I haven't cried like that since men's camp, so then you know. Um, so it, it, was, it was good. And this entire letter of Philippians, it's about the beauty and the power of partnering in the gospel. And friends, if you keep to yourself, that's not partnering in the gospel. You might come here week in, week out, go home, and and this is your thing. But I want to say there is more. There's a more excellent way. This is not partnering in the gospel. This, This is the beginning. This is good. But I want to encourage you to immerse yourself in the Word, to immerse yourself in His presence, and to give yourself to a local church. And this is not the only local church, but this is a good one. And, and, and I can say that with, with, a, with a good heart. Um, welcome. So, now I'm, re- I'm reading this passage. If there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, and so often when we look at comfort, the place where we comfort from is not from love, but the place where we comfort from is the flesh. And the, the fact of the matter is that, the, that flesh cannot comfort spirit. So no matter how hard you try. So if you're feeling out of it, if you're hurt, if you're in pain with spiritual beings, you can chow all the chocolates in the world. It will not fix you because we are spiritual beings. Your flesh cannot please your spirit. Impossible. It can't. So if you just grab a hold of pornography, if you grab a hold of... Um, booze, whatever the case might be, your flesh cannot please your spirit. Jesus, John chapter 4, women at the well, he tells her, if you drink from this water, you'll be thirsty again. Because it's flesh trying to, to settle something inside. He says, but if you drink from the water that I give you, you will never thirst again. So we are spiritual beings and we are comforted in spirit. That's, that's the place. So Paul is saying if there's any encouragement in Christ, A, then if there's, B, he says, if there's any comfort from love. So the place where we comfort from is a place from love, and the, the origin of that love is from Christ. And therefore, for that very reason, he says, then if there's any participation in the Spirit. And as a church, we, we need to draw closer, partaking in all activities of the Spirit. God has this gay, he's given beautiful gifts in the Spirit, in this room, so that we can carry one another in different times and different seasons. There are spiritual gifts in this room, gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy, um, gifts, uh, you know, words, words of knowledge. All those things are in this room, and he's saying there should be participation in the Spirit. So we actually should all come to the forefront. We all have something to give, and we're encouraged to give. We're encouraged to... Um, Give that what God has given us. And if this is something foreign to you, I want to encourage you to push in because God has a story for you. He has given you spiritual gifts. And, and Paul is saying, he's casting vision. He's saying, firstly, there should be encouragement. Uh, in, in, we should be encouraged one another in Christ. There should be comforting from a place of love. 
And then he says uh, there should be participation in the Spirit. You should partake. We want to encourage you to partake, not to only come. It's good. Step one. But there's more. And, and it's the more that will blow you away. It's the more that is the deep waters that satisfy your souls. And, and God has got that story for you. So, um, and then he ends off by saying, whilst the play, displaying um, affection and sympathy. And that sounds like a pretty cool gig. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a community like that. Um, so do we have any takers? Yes, yes, amen. So wonderful. So let's have a look now in Scripture, from Scripture, what do we have to do to be all that we can be, A, as followers of Jesus, and B, as the church. And the key that unlocks this unlimited potential that sits in this room is found in verse 4, where it says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. That is to say, verse 4 is just another way of repeating Jesus' words of Matthew 22:29, where he's saying, Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, don't only look to your own things. Don't let your life be about me, about my finances, about my time, about, about me. Put, put the needs of other families, um, count others as worthy. And, and throw yourself into, let this be the driving force in our lives that we find joy in making others joyful as, as a community. And only if we get to this place um, where we count others more significant than ourselves, will we, will we be that what God is calling us to be? So, the, which leads us to the next point. How do we count other people as worthy? And Mark gave us a picture at men's camp, and it, it was quite a powerful picture for me, perhaps not for you, but Jesus is in heaven where he, he speaks something and it is done. There's angels worshipping. There's perfect relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're happy. They don't need to do anything. Yet, Jesus leaves that perfect unity, that perfect relationship, comes to earth so that we can enter into that circle so that we can enter into that relationship. By our own, we can't enter into that relationship. We are not good enough. We don't make the cut. We, we, we don't qualify. Yet Jesus left everything so that we can enter into that circle. He counted others as worthy. And the, the, which leads me to ask, how do I count others as worthy? Because I struggle to count others as worthy. I look at people and say, you're a waste of my time. I look at people and I say, it doesn't get enough. I have five coffees with a guy and say, okay, no more, because he doesn't want to listen. That's, that, that's kind of uh, how I feel. And, and I just think that humility is the key that unlocks the door of counting other people uh, as worthy. And, and the source of humility is Jesus. Christ on the cross is the source of humility. This is the great opposite of a sense of entitlement. Jesus is the opposite on the cross of you owe me. Just see this picture. I want to give you two pictures. First picture, Jesus is in heaven. He's reigning. He, he, he speaks. It is done. Like that. Second picture, Jesus on the cross. He's got the power to say, take me out of here. Jesus on the cross, fully submitted. Bam. Right there. Forgive them, Father, for they, don't, they know not what they do. See, see that picture. That is, that is humility. 
That is servanthood. That is love. That is a great and a deep and a profound love. So, no matter what, let's look not only to our own interests, but also to the interest of other people. This is the mind, this is the mindset that we should take on as a family of believers. This, is, this should be the driving force in us, not me and my story. This should be us. This is our story. How are you doing? How can we help you? How can we as a church advance the kingdom of God? How can we as a church pull others into the story? Because that's what I see, that's what Jesus did. And there's four examples of Jesus' mindset um, in Philippians chapter 2. And the first picture is that of, of Jesus himself, verses 5 to 9, where, where it just said he took the form of a servant, he came down, and, and again, Jesus in heaven left everything, came to earth, he humbled himself, form of a human being, limited um, in so many ways, and that, that's the first picture. And you might say, well, that's Jesus, and we are so far from that. And I say that, that is true. But then there's another picture, and that is the picture of Paul. Paul is in prison, and that's actually Paul and Timothy. Paul is in prison, and he tells them, guys, I'm going to send you Timothy, whom to me is like a son. So he's in prison. He, is, he doesn't say, send me a lawyer. Send me money to get out of here. Send me, send, just help me to get out of here. He's saying, in prison, I am going to send you Timothy, who is a comfort to me. This is, it speaks about a great cost. This speaks about someone who's walked with him. He showed his proven worth. Timothy is someone who loves dearly. It's the very best that he has got. And he says, I will send you my very best. It is as if I'm sending myself. He carries my heart. Beautiful. He said, so, so, so that's the second picture. Then Timothy, Paul is like a father to him. We read that Timothy was raised by, by ladies. He didn't have a strong father figure. Paul is like a father figure. He's willing to leave all of that behind to go to the, into a greater gospel story. Comfort is not his own comfort, his own interest. is not at the forefront of his thinking, but the welfare of the church, welfare of others. Then lastly, Epaphroditus, um, verses 25 to 30, he was a man who was sick even to the point of death. And he is so, um, he's, he's going to, to go there, and it's amazing how his thoughts are dominated by that the church is distressed that he's ill. So, so he's, he's supposed to go over there, um, or he's not supposed, he heard, sorry guys, he heard that, um, the church in Philippi heard that he was ill, and he's so concerned that they are worrying about him. He doesn't want them to worry about him. He's just saying, guys, I'm, just, I'm going to go there. I'm going to give my life. I'm, I'm going to help you. He's sending help on the way. And in closing, I just want to call us to the vision that Paul has got for the church. And three quick things. Number one, our gaze must be fixed and fastened on Jesus. This life, friends, is temporary. We are citizens of heaven and our eyes should be fixed on Jesus. Charles Haddon Spurgeon is a prince of preachers. And Charles Spurgeon, he was a boy 15 years old in England, freezing himself to the point of death. And uh, he, he was in, in the winter snowing and he just looked for shelter. 
he was literally running about looking for shelter. He was freezing. And he ran into a small building. Little did he know that it was a Methodist church. And there sat 15 or so people in the congregation. And the preacher preached from the um, letter of Isaiah, verse 40, um, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22. And it says, look unto me and be saved. Simply look unto me and be saved. And all that that he did... Looking doesn't cost you much. You just have to look at Jesus. And friends, the, the great reality is that when people see Jesus, lives will change. All we have to do is fix our gaze on Jesus. And if we as a church, as a community, if our gaze is fixed on Jesus, whatever we do, whatever we're busy with, other people will get to see Jesus and look and they'll be saved. No, I don't know of a lot of people who've had encounters with Jesus and walked away. I know a lot of people who've had, enc- had encounters um, with, with, with religion and all kinds of stuff, but when you have an encounter with Jesus, you don't just walk away. First thing is, our gaze must be fixed and fastened on Jesus. There's, trans- there's transformative power in a glimpse of Jesus. Then secondly, um, we need to count others as worthy. Jesus came, he made the circle bigger. It's very simple, um, the question is for who are you going to make the circle bigger? Who are the people that's coming, that comes to, you, to your mind that you're going to make the circle bigger for? Who are the people at work? Who are the people at school? Who are the people that you are willing to make the circle bigger for? Then lastly, um, who are, who are, or, or in that people, who are the people that you're willing to make financial sacrifices for? Um, who are the people that you're going to invite to your home group? And, and even, you might not even be there, and I'm, I want to ask you, uh, same breath, why are you not in a home group? I want to count others as worthy. Share your life. It's, it's what we call to. It's a bigger story. And then lastly, I want to close by just saying, we need to aim high by going low. Have incredibly high standards when it comes to encouraging others in Christ. Have incredibly high standards when we comfort others from a platform of love. Have incredibly high standards when we are participating in the Spirit. And when we serve others with these guidelines, and we will see things change around us. So I just want you to be encouraged, and I want you to, to aim high by going low, by serving, by loving.